Welcome to What Is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host, Gigi. This is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency through the personal experiences and stories of those who have taken the dive down the rabbit hole. We explore Bitcoin stories with a diverse range of guests from early adopters, miners, maximalists, and traders. So join us on this exciting journey of past, present, and future Bitcoin, one story at a time. you don't believe it or don't get it, I don't have the time to try and convince you. Sorry, Satoshi Nakamoto. Welcome everybody back to what is your Bitcoin story podcast together with my host, uh, co-host, uh, Mr. DT himself. And today we will be recording the part two of the Genesis episode. And I would of course like to welcome DT on board. Great to be back, Gigi. Likewise. So... As as we did in the first episode, and as the name of the podcast goes, what is your Bitcoin story? How about you share um, where was the starting point and how did you find this rabbit hole? Right. It was an interesting adventure. Anytime you ask somebody that story, I believe, Gigi. So I'll try to remember things in the order that they happened because it was several years ago and it's easy to jumble things up, but I'm, I'm quite confident this was more or less the order. At first, I started hearing about Bitcoin when the Cyprus haircut was going on. I think a lot of people did. And there was some business there that was supposed to be a Bitcoin bank. It went bust. So immediately, it's portrayed negatively in the news and you start seeing it. Perhaps it might be a scam and you just kind of forget about it. And it was either a little bit before or a little bit after this but I was a student studying in minus 12 degrees Celsius weather in winter. So to put it bluntly, it's like balls, especially if you're from somewhere where it's sunny. And like a lot of kids my age at that time, a lot of people that were in university, I started playing World of Warcraft. Mm. And on World of Warcraft, there was the in-game currency, which was gold. gold. And you could either go and mine it very slowly and grind and literally just click on rocks and mine, 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 mine to get different kinds of commodities and craft those and perhaps sell them on the market. And I really found that interesting. So I would literally grind a lot, try get the best recipes, uh, try create some items of value and try rigging the prices in the marketplace a bit. So that's my first real taste of trading, mm. which is very closely linked to, for many, to Bitcoin. And in the game, it was possible to buy gold mm. from what we would call Chinese miners, which was typically Chinese guys in China, like click farms are sitting there grinding, mining, mining, mining these, these stones and selling them in the game. But because they're in China, the only currency they can accept is Bitcoin. It was very difficult to send money to China, especially if you're going to send like, you know, $30, probably the bank charges. First of all, your bank wouldn't let, wouldn't let you send it. And secondly, the fees would be $30. <laughs> so I started discussing with him, you know, how much is it for so much? And they're like, oh, it's so many Bitcoin. I'm like, well, where am I going to find Bitcoin? You know? 
so I keep going about the game, but now I know that in the game there's this layer two of outside game trade, and it's happening in Bitcoin, it's happening between people from all over the world, and usually people in China that have made this their business. It was a separate marketplace, right? Yeah, this was OTC, well, okay. kind of off the record. I don't know if, if Blizzard ever... Uh, yeah, they never really commented on it, I guess it was just part of the game. Um... So I didn't even know the price of Bitcoin at the time. I remember I asked the Chinese miner of how much for 500 gold, and he said X amount of Bitcoin. I'm like, okay, I just forgot about it. So some time goes by, and I start looking on Google, you know, what is Bitcoin? What is this thing? You find out that there was this guy, Satoshi Nakamoto. Already there was that person in, in America who I think he's of Japanese origin, and they were saying that's him. Now he's a meme. There's like frogs with his face everywhere. Um, and I start trying to understand more about what is this thing. So I find out you can actually create this thing from your from your computer because mm. you could still mine using uh, your, your CPU, GPU. I don't know. I didn't know much about mining at the time. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Like, why don't I make one? What? Why don't I make one? with my PC and again I've got zero idea about about the fact there's a price behind this I thought the price was fixed like it must be and I had zero idea that there's 21 million and very very early in the rabbit hole but I just thought it would be really cool if I can create one of these bitcoins with my PC and from the little bit that I understood you use the power of your PC to crack this algorithm and then you're rewarded with this currency which is kind of amazing so I start digging. The, I mean, YouTube kind of just came out. There wasn't a lot of information on YouTube. It was probably forums and stuff. And, and it was a different YouTube back then. It was yeah. Post your own videos. That exactly. Real. Exactly. It was like people going to the zoo and stuff. So I find on some forums that, which was probably the Bitcoin talk, if I go back and think about it now, that you can download this application and then that, that will download the whole blockchain and then you can run some code and it'll start using your computing power to make this Bitcoin. So I spent a weekend downloading it. I don't remember how big the blockchain was. And I tried putting the code that I found. It was literally supposed to be copy-paste. Mm -hmm. And my PC is going haywire, right? Like my, my laptop is going insane. It's just ready to explode. But I, I still think it's cool. I'm just going to let it do its thing. You know, I've never seen a laptop explode. So I guess it won't explode. And several hours go by when nothing happens. Mm. And it's all code. It's a terminal. There's no UI. It's literally just MS-DOS, which makes it more confusing. You know, today everything is so easy, so beautiful, and very easy to understand. But at that point, I don't, I wasn't tech enough to understand if I'm getting something crazy, if I'm not getting something crazy. I just know my PCs go crazy. So I shut it down because I want to play Warcraft again. <laughs> so I get back to playing Warcraft. Back to the main reason we're not serious. Like, oh no, this is this is you know. Let me just go mine real gold in Warcraft. So, a few days go by, and I say, you know what, I'm going to try it again because I don't like it when I try something and I don't succeed or I don't see some progress. So I delete the whole thing. I download the whole thing again. I'm going to do everything from scratch. So I'm going to follow the guide like A, B, C, and I do that. 
And I think I let it run like one day or something this time. I just guess I'll leave it on and let it run. And I come back. I do think it mined some the second time. And I come back and I just look at it and I delete it. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? Like, forget about this. It, it was interesting to find out a little bit about this and that's that. And then some years go by and I meet a friend that was in high school with me and it was a short while after the first iPhones came out. So he's telling me, about Bitcoin. And my prior experience was in the game. So I'm like, wow, this guy like actually went out and bought some of those coins that I tried to mine. And he shows me his phone and it's this very bland app. It's literally like a black circle. The screen is white at the back and it says how many BTC he has and underneath that it says the dollar value. And I remember very clearly seeing that the dollar value was either 52 or 58. And he tells me, you see, now one Bitcoin is worth 52 or $58, whatever the number was. And that's the first time that I realized this. there's a value over this thing that is not fixed to a dollar. I mean, how do they get that value? Where does it come from? And he's telling me how, you know, it's really the future is going to be part of this and, and you really need to get some Bitcoin. And what I did is I took my inheritance from my grind and I sent it from this place to this obscure shop in Japan. And I bought some of it, and now this is mine. And as, as soon as he says, you know, Japan and things like that, I'm like, okay. Mm. So again, there's this, you know, people are actually sending money to foreign countries. They're crossing borders with their money, and they're, they're getting this crypto. So they're going through a lot of hoops, right? And I tell them, well, isn't there a different way? Can't you buy it with, you know, your credit card or something? Right. And he says, well, there is one way. And that's how he bought his first Bitcoins. And it was in a game that was, it was kind of like The Sims. I think it was called Simple Life or something. It was a really shitty online game. But there was a way that you could send someone PayPal and they would send you some Bitcoin. And I guess there was OTC dealers in that game. And again, I'm like, man, this is exactly how I'm going to get scammed. Then crypto goes on this, this mad run. I think it went all the way to $1,000. And it pops and it comes back to this no man's land of 200 to $250. So I've had two opportunities to kind of try to take it seriously and get my hands on some. And again, you stop hearing about it in the news. Obviously, I stopped playing games. I stopped hearing about it. The hype dies out. The hype dies out as it does in, in you know, what is in crypto lengthy bear markets. People lose interest. That's what happens. So... After some more years, I graduate and I go work in China, funny enough, and I meet a Canadian guy. We're discussing how to get money back home because you had a limit and it wasn't that easy to, you know, if you were there working for a couple of years, you had more money than you could take out easily of the country. And he says, man, what I do is I go to this Bitcoin exchange and I send my money from my bank account there and then I buy Bitcoin and then I send it to Canada and then I send it there and I send it to my bank account. So I actually see some use case now. And the first utility. Yeah, apart from buying some World War World War Health exactly. to to move money cross border instant. In a way, cross border instant because he was just using it kind of as a PSP. Mm. And I go onto this website that he told me, I don't remember which one it was. Mind you, China wasn't saying anything negative about Bitcoin at the time. Uh and I look at the website, everything's in Chinese. My Chinese is almost non existent on my Ah, uh, I don't know about this, man. So 
I decided to take the extra money that I had and do a trip around Asia and problem solve. And then I come back to my country and I start working and, you know, everything kind of, I just forget about it. And I've already heard about it several times over several years. And because I was working at kind of a commodity report, it was natural to be interested in news about commodities like oil and gas and physical uh, trading firms and such. And two things happened. The first was they started putting out on the news that Bitcoin nears the price of an ounce of gold, which was around about $1,000. And this is after the first $1,000 pop. This is the second time it's going to $1,000. The first comeback. Exactly. So we're talking about 2016 after that run that started off to the Bitfinex hack, after that 250 to $200 no man's land, which chopped which went on for months. And then a few weeks later, I see that a large commodity trading firm is using the blockchain to settle some trades, some actual trades. So, I, so at this point, I already understand, okay, there is Bitcoin and it resides on this thing, that, which is the blockchain. And these two go together and you cannot separate them. And now these guys are trying to use it and they do like two or three test runs. Obviously, they made their own uh, intra-closed blockchain. Uh, but now it really has my it really has my attention because the last time I saw the price, it was $52, or $58, whichever that number was on my friend's phone. I'm like, wow, you know, this thing went from $52 to the price of an ounce of gold in a matter of just a few years. That's it. And this is when I decide, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger. So it's, it's 2017. Where can I buy the stuff? I find Zappo, which, you know, was started by an early uh, Bitcoin adopter. I think he's from somewhere from Latin America, like multi-billionaire. And they had a card. They were the only ones I could find that had a card and you could use the Bitcoin and spend. So I, I thought, okay, that's great because if I want to spend it, I have a way to spend it. I, I still wasn't convinced that I can trust this thing in the long term. Mm. So I remember going to my bank, filling out the form to send a wire. You know, I'm sending money to Switzerland. I send about $1,000. I decide I want to buy one Bitcoin. Um, the fees were insane. Like Zappo fees were crazy. You know, I paid the bank fee and it comes there. And then it wasn't an exchange. So the price was obviously there was spread and the fee was quite high. And in the meantime, while it leaves my bank and goes to to Zappo, Bitcoin goes to, I think it was like 1,180, almost 1,200. So it goes in, bam, market buy, buy, whatever we can buy, less than a Bitcoin. And a few days later, it's like $880. Oh. So immediately, my first lesson is, okay, you know, price moves. Price can move very quickly. <laughs> and I, I just kind of leave it there and watch it a bit and price goes up mostly, a little bit down, mostly up. And then I do one kind of job, like a freelance job for one company which I find online and they say, okay, well, you know, we can pay you in Bitcoin. So I deliver the project and they request a Bitcoin wallet. And at this point, I still, I don't know, just my Bitcoin's in Zappa. I don't know what a wallet is. I don't know what a private key is. I know none of this. And I download a wallet and I understand, okay, there's this key and you need to keep it safe. I, I started educating myself. By now, also the, the information online has become, you know, much, much more Wide friendly. Right. YouTube has completely changed face and there's actually guides and information of value. I think that was kind of the peak in, in YouTube culture. Now it's very clickbait and just about generating clicks, right? Oh. 
So I, I generate a wallet on the spot and I send him the wallet address in Skype. And then literally a few minutes later, it's there. And I go on to a blockchain explorer and I can see how much he paid in fees. I think he paid like 80 cents in fees. It was about $88. And the rest of it was in my wallet. And I was just blown away. That that was really a big eye-opener because I saw, okay, this guy could send me money within 10 minutes from anywhere in the world, doesn't know my name, doesn't know my location. You know, there's something really powerful for a fraction of a cost, yeah. for a fraction of the cost. Right. Even just the fact that it came in 10 minutes and it mm -hmm. didn't have to take two days for the man to cure or take one day, even that was, was mind-blowing. Right. So now it really has my attention. And then I kind of make it a goal that I want to collect more. So I start doing more jobs where I get paid as a freelancer in Bitcoin for the same people. I start slowly buying more of my own. And it really opens, for me, it really opened two doors. And the first one is price action, because that's what really generated my interest to, in, in, in trading and gave me an opportunity to trade and see you know, several cycles and kind of educate myself a bit. Um, and the other thing is privacy, being in control, self-sovereign money, and especially the generation that got in like 2016 to 2017, you don't understand. And the prior generation that got in 2013, 2014, there was always these big windows where people get in and it's usually driven by price. But they, they're very different generations. So that generation was super interested in privacy. And you can understand that because Monero and, and other privacy coins went through the roof. Like that was a very strong narrative. The next generation that got in, like a more recent one after the 2018 crash, you feel that they really don't respect privacy that much. They don't care. It's more, and even, even, even if you're just a trader and you try to make money, the guys in, in 2017 that made good money, they would never flash it on, on Twitter and cars and and watches it was very when Lambo when Lambo's yeah in the metaphor that was there was it, towards the end of that cycle that's when it started but there was very few people like that whereas the most recent uh, cycle you know let's call it the OGs the guys that made it uh, very hard flexing and you know it's kind of like a GPS that once you turn it on you can't turn it off and I keep being involved in Bitcoin in some way I start trading some old coins I would say at some point you know you kind of uh, you, you get enamored with the altcoins because you get enamored with the money you can make and kind of the, the you always think you're going to come back to buy more Bitcoin. And if you do, it's a great trade. But at the end of the day, you realize that altcoins are just there to you know rob you of your Bitcoin. And it's a very good trading vehicle. But you have to remember what it is. Question, going back and until we carry on with the story mm. that I want to ask you, what happened to the laptop? Oh, the laptop, it, by the time I finished my studies, just died. Like, I left it there. So, never to be retrieved, never, you have no idea, was there 0 0.1 or 1 BTC? No idea. See, or nothing. I did. Because what year was that? This was, this must have been like 2014. Okay. Yeah. So, the mining rewards were like 25. Yes. Yeah. I remember you could still, with a strong enough PC, you could still run it. I mean, it would take ages, but you could still... I guess the wiser decision would have been to mine something like Doge or something that was really more CPU friendly. Um, was Doge out there? I don't. Do I think Doge was out there. Just coming out to the scene, probably. Yeah, Ethereum wasn't out there. There was basically like Bitcoin clones. Okay, that were out. 
Bitcoin 2.0, we've heard that one before. I had no idea about the altcoins then. I just knew there was Bitcoin and that's why I didn't look to mine anything else, Yeah, uh, which, which was a good call. And then something else that I want to touch on is after, so I'm already involved in Bitcoin. I leave that company where I first uh, started doing the side gigs and, and getting paid a little bit in Bitcoin. And then I go on to, to trade um, physical fuels. Mm. So if you're trading fuel, whether it's physical or whether it's derivative, every day of your life, you're looking at the oil charts, yeah. right? And that was my livelihood. Like I really, that was my business. I had to know. But something strange happens with Bitcoin that, that hasn't happened with anything else is that you really buy into it. Mm. Like after I left that job, I stopped caring so much what oil is doing. Mm. I'll still look at it to understand, okay, macro-wise, you know, risk on, risk off, what's going on, where commodities in the cycle. But you don't get attached to it. You don't get married to it like you do to to Bitcoin. And I think the reason is, at least the reason for me, was because there's something behind that. And that's privacy and self-sovereign money and all these reasons. Probably for other people, it might be just literally the price and the net worth. But that says a lot. Of course. And and, it, and it's also going back to, to your history and how you discovered, as you said, going through the 2013 financial crisis and you know having the haircut loom. Yes. And, and kind of instantly losing everything discovering something that nobody can confiscate, essentially unconfiscatable, as Tony Ray says, right? Yeah. The, the famous term. I, I truly believe that's the true power. And, and until that light bulb clicks, yeah, you never really take it that serious. I, I agree in the last bull run, there's been a lot of like speculators and a lot of, hey, I want to get quick rich of 10,000, I want to make 100,000. But yeah. uh, the real story is not even in, in the dollar. Yeah, well, well said, well said. It, the Something we didn't touch on is that getting involved in Bitcoin and starting to dig and understanding, okay, there's only 21 million and how it's generated, mm. then you naturally start to look at uh, what what's happening with the money supply. Yeah. So it's a very good way to have skin in the game and kind of force yourself to understand some some things about inflation, some things about, you know, how currencies are. And used. aspects of scarcity, which we don't have. In yeah. The Yes, exactly. We we've seen what happened over COVID. You know, eighty percent of money supply was Crazy. printed there. And it's still being printed. It's still being well. Time the money lower was then. Probably but, know tomorrow can go back on. Exactly, exactly. And you're talking about people that nobody elected. You have no mm. control of this. Uh, every country in the world is linked, right? Because they're all the debts are in mm. dollars, and you understand that the only way you can get out of the system is by holding. Bitcoin, because even people say, oh, I have a house, I have an asset. Okay, great. Well, what are the property taxes on it? What happens if you don't pay the property taxes? So yeah. it's it's really, really powerful. And although I love trading and I really appreciate the opportunities, which other markets as well, but especially the opportunities that we've had in crypto, I think that's the, the biggest value. So starting to educate yourself about macros and, and, you know, modern monetary, if you wish to call it that, start to educate yourself on, on privacy and anonymity, and it's a hedge against everything else. Those are the three biggest takeaways, you know, before we even talk about you're going to make it and becoming a trader and all of the above. And, and also another thing I'd like to add to, to the listeners, especially who are new, who still don't have skin in the game and who are still kind of skeptical on the, on the edge, should I try it, should I not? 
Um, I would highly advise everyone to read the Bitcoin Standard book by Sadina Moose, which covers the the our twelve chapters. The eleven chapters mm. are about the history of money and understanding that fiat hasn't been here forever. It's been here for a mere what fifty, sixty years as a pretty pretty fresh concept and. It's basically done a lot more harm to the world than, than advantages, and and I just said the only way to opt out the system is Bitcoin. So yeah, the, I, the sooner you start learning, the more advantage you'll have. In I, I don't know if I'll say there, there's a lot of benefits, right? I mean, we literally printed our way to the moon. We printed mm-hmm. our way to you know millions of dollars of of oil. Um, that of uh, yeah yeah we we print our way because. It's this velocity, it's kind of like energy, right? You need to create a great velocity to make something happen. But it comes at a cost. And whatever was behind it before, whether it was, you know, Bretton Woods 1, where it was gold, well, uh, Bretton Woods 2, where they create the pet- petrodollar, I don't think of these things as, as good or bad. Mm. Rather, I think about it like you should know, you should, because you have, you always have skin in the game. Well, right? This, unfortunately, we need fiat to buy food and we need fiat to pay electricity and do well fiat's the only option at the moment but if we would have other means exactly you know, money's always been there even like since the dawn of days right we used yeah. to change shells and, and precious stones and you know it was exactly it was all government backed money but that's yeah that's that's the value starting to ask yourself questions and mm. um, unfortunately once you go down the rabbit hole it's very difficult to say it's not going to be a part of your life Yeah, you know, even traders that made a lot of money and lost it all it's always there's definitely an emotional attachment but if if you get anything out of bitcoin it should be educating yourself about what's going on with money without conspiracy it's just literally understanding what's going on with money supply um what's going on with inflation and where i stand in terms of privacy and security and uh self-sovereign anonymity. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to mention this uh, elephant in the room, inflation, right? Which everybody's going through now in all the countries. You know, some are in double digits, some are even in triple digits. Yes. And kind of, you know, a good argument for Bitcoin is $1 today is not going to be $1 in a month's time, but one Bitcoin today is going to be one Bitcoin in a month, in 10 years, in 100 years. Going back to the scarcity and having a, a limited supply, I think a lot of people miss that part. Um, they they they're too conscious on the price. Is it twenty thousand? Is it thirty thousand? Is it five thousand? Or realistically, it's it's the dollar value doesn't really do anything. It's about you acquiring having some satoshis for the future. Because yeah, I mean, I might be wrong, but I strongly believe in in a decade's time, you won't even have to have a out gateway. How do I cash out my Bitcoin? You will most probably be able to pay to most merchants directly with the Bitcoin. And you know, the the, the sooner you got in. Imagine if, if you got into Bitcoin back in 2013, 14, when you're looking at it, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter. Shoulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but it, it's just still today. Yeah. I hate that. I hate when people that have no skin in the game say, oh, it's too late to get in. You know, it's, it's never it's too late. It's never too late. It was true. But in, 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 in most cases, those people that say it's too late, they're the guys that were buying at the 60,000. I, I watched a guy that he was uh, also in, in fuels when I went there. He was a trader. By profession, he was trading. Okay, well, most of it was physical delivery. You have an idea about price, right? Mm. Uh, he was trading for several years before I went there, and he would literally watch Bitcoin every day. This was as it was climbing to nineteen eight hundred, uh, twenty seventeen. He would watch it every day, and he would sit there and swear at it. And I told him, "Well, you know, why don't you, why don't you get involved?" 
And he says, no, it's going to go to zero. It's going to go to zero. And every day he would open his screen before he checks oil, before he checks anything, he would open Bitcoin and be a, you know, bits amount. And I tell him, well, if you think it's going to go to zero, why don't you short it? And he says, everyone knows you can't short Bitcoin. I'm like, man, you know, go to bitmex.com yeah. right now and I'll, I'll show you. I know. Your best friend. No, that's manipulated. Uh, uh, and it's not a good mentality because shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, I could have played these lottery numbers and won $10 million. It's yeah. such a silly way to think. Like, yeah. you're here. Do you want to be involved? Put in whatever, like literally put in $10. And the way I would introduce people to to Bitcoin, I've, I've introduced a few friends. You know, you go through this period where you want to be a Bitcoin evangelist. But quickly enough, you learn that you have to cut that out. But I think everyone goes through it. Is when a friend would have a birthday, I would make them download a wallet, right. and I would send them twenty dollars in Bitcoin. And the people, you could see like that moment as soon as you send it, either people are blown away because they understand the possibility of you know borderless transmittance and immediate transmittance and, and, you know, insanely low fees. And that's before you even get into the keys and the privacy and all of the above. Uh, or they don't think anything of it. Mm. And that's the, that's the best way to introduce anyone in my opinion, you know, it shouldn't be about the price. It shouldn't be about uh, trading, all these things. Just start with the transaction. Very good. Very nice. Well, um, I guess. You've touched upon a lot of aspects of, of why it's valuable to you, but in a sense, and, and, and shared a lot of advice to, to especially newcomers and, and people that are still kind of on, on the sidelines, not sure what to do. Uh, what is perhaps like one main thing that you would like to leave the, the listeners with to, to kind of dive deeper and, and kind of learn for themselves regarding Bitcoin? I would say just get a wallet, get some Bitcoin create two wallets if you need to, start sending it back and forth, write down your private keys, try yeah. recover that wallet, you know, just play with it with five or $10. Mm. And especially now in the wake of what's happened with exchanges and, and FTX, wow. you know, starting with your own wallet and starting on chain, even if your goal is to become a trader is, is very important. Okay. So, so self-experience and, and self-custody, number that's one it. thing that you should be uh, that's it. Be focusing on. Be peripatetic and, you know, actually put yourself, don't just read it, don't just watch videos, like actually, you know, for yourself. test them on, get, get onto a blockchain explorer and see, hey, I sent this and where did it go and what outputs did it do? And then after that, straight to the white paper, mm-hmm. straight to Satoshi's white paper. Don't even, I haven't read any books on Bitcoin, literally. You know, it's like reading a book about the Bible. Why not just read the Bible? That's true. That's true. Read the Bible. That's very true. And it's a short one. It's 12 pages. Exactly. I mean, it's in one sitting, one hour, bam, you're through it. And and it should answer a lot of questions. Well, perfect. Well, thanks a lot, DT, for for sharing sharing your story. And uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to the future guests that we'll have on on this podcast um, and and different stories and different angles that we'll hear from, from other guests. And yeah, I'd like to wish you uh, a great day ahead and, and to the fellow listeners. And we look forward to having you on the next one. All the best. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of What Is Your Bitcoin Story podcast. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. For more valuable Bitcoin resources, visit our website at whatisyourbitcoinstory.com. Keep stacking sats, stay safe, spread the Bitcoin revolution.